Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is NBA Today, live from Los Angeles. Coming up on NBA Today, the domino that has yet to fall. We have a new outlook on the Kevin Durant trade saga and how it impacts the rest of the league. Plus, our high rollers roll the dice on some of Caesars' win-loss totals for next season. Which teams are poised to surpass the projected totals? Also, we spin the wheel on who wins the title next season. Find out who our experts think should be the outright favorite. NBA Today starts right now. Welcome into NBA Today, and I'm Ramona Shelburne, in for Malika Andrews, joined today by NBA reporter Tim Bontemps and NBA front office insider Bobby Marks. Thanks for joining me on my first show back from maternity. Here we go. Cheers to that. Two boys club. Good to see you, Ramona. Welcome. Very good Welcome to, to the club. <laughs> it's funny when you are out for a couple of months how things change fast in the NBA, but on the biggest story of the offseason, we kind of seem to be in the same place we were when I left. On June 30th, while I was out, our own Adrian Wojnarowski reported that Kevin Durant had requested a trade. On August 10th, now that I'm back, he's still a Brooklyn net. You don't say. <laughs> but a lot has happened behind the scenes since then. I just spoke with someone close to the situation who said, in the latest meeting between Durant and Nets owner Joe Tsai in London last week, a lot more than Durant's feelings about coach Steve Nash and GM Sean Marks was discussed, and that the Nets viewed the meeting as, quote, part of the process. It was important, the source said, for Tsai to hear Durant out and try to understand where he's coming from. Yes, Durant reiterated his request to be traded, but this meeting was far more specific than the first meeting at the end of June and the subsequent conversations Durant and his camp have had with Cy. Bobby, as a, front, as a former front office executive, what does all this mean to you? What, did the Nets have to trade KD, or are they trying to maybe mend some fences? Well, I think when you have a top five player in the NBA, you're trying to mend f fences, especially for a player that's got four years left on his contract. If he was on an expiring deal or maybe even two years left, then yes, you're maybe looking to try to move him. But when you look at, and we've talked about this on paper a lot, this roster, right? This roster is probably the best that Kevin Durant has had since his stay in Brooklyn when you look at Kyrie Irving, a healthy Ben Simmons, and then some of the moves they were able to do as far as T.J. Warren and bring back Patty Mills and Nick Claxton. Their bench has certainly got a lot better here. Joe Harris is back. Um, we could talk about this team as a top four team. So I think you do everything you, in your power to try to fix if, what the problem is and, and get Kevin Durant back on board. Look, if the Nets could trade Kevin Durant for what they thought he was worth, they would trade him. And they would have traded him, right? But they can't. So they have two choices. One is to, to cut bait and trade him for much less than they think he's worth. And the other is, as Bobby said, to try to mend fences one of the best five players on the planet, have him on the team, and have a team that might be good enough to win a championship this year. So to me, it's really not much of a debate. It's like Bobby said. You try to get Kevin Durant back on board. You try to go into this season with Kyrie Irving, who should be motivated to get paid next summer when he's an unrestricted free agent. We'll see if they can get Ben Simmons on the court. They have Joe Harris. They have Seth Curry. They have Nick Claxton. They have all these guys around these guys. They could be a 55-win team or more. Got to give it a shot. Well, I mean, I think this brings us back to why, this, why these stories have come out in the first place, okay? When a story leaks out, and, and the story recently of, of 
Josai meeting with Kevin Durant in London leaks out, and Kevin Durant communicating that he would he, that he has to make a choice between the coach Steve Nash and, and the general manager Sean Marks or him. When that leaks out, that's an explosive story. At what point, though, do you say who, why does that story leak out? Because not all. I mean, it takes a lot of, of very talented reporters digging to try to get information. That's the information that comes out. Why does this story come out? Well, it, it shouldn't have come out because it doesn't help Kevin Durant in this situation. I think it actually probably hurts him. I think it hurts his image um, as far as a player now asking not only the coach but mm -hmm. certainly the, uh, your general manager to be to be let go here. And I think I think if, if Ke a year from now. Kevin Durant will look back on the situation and wish he had a do-over. Not to the fact that he asked to be traded. Hey, every player has a right to be traded. But how he has handled this situation as far as what has transpired the last couple days here. And um, the trade for Durant from a you know, from a perspective, from his perspective, like, this doesn't force the issue. Like, for Sean Marks or Steve Nash yeah. or Joe Sy to say, you know what? Now we've got to trade him. Now we basically yeah. have to set an artificial timeline. The offers are the offers, right? We know what the offers are going to be and what they potentially could be, and this is why this is going to linger into the, into the regular season. And to your point, Bobby, it just makes next month when these guys get back together for training camp all the more awkward, right? That's really all it does is it makes the situation more awkward for Kevin and for the Nets because obviously it's already going to be an awkward situation if he's still on the team and he has to be traded. Now he's asked to be traded, and he's asked for the coach of GM to be let go. And they're all going to be there together at the start of training camp. So isn't that kind of the point, though, to make it awkward? I mean, you could argue that if from a from a that standpoint, it could potentially move things along. But as Bobby said, there's no reason for it to move along because the offers aren't going to change. And if anything, this is only going to give teams less incentive to increase their offers. And the Nets have shown over the past six and, weeks they don't like what they have. And I think for to how this can work is for the team meeting, first night of team meeting, for Kevin Durant to get up and say, hey. As long as I'm a part of this Brooklyn team, I'm going to try to win as many games as mm. possible. I'm going to try to help Seth Curry get that next contract. I'm going to help T.J. Warren kind of, you know, rehabilitate, you know, from that injury here. And, okay, and, if, and when I'm not here, then I'm not part of the team. But as long as I am here, I am going to help this team. And if I'm – because who knows? We could be talking a year from now that Kevin Durant is still on this Brooklyn Nets roster. It's under contract for four more well, years. And we've said it all along that they are waiting for the perfect – trade package to come along it hasn't come along and it might not come along for a long time here well so, and the other thing and we you know we've talked about this too Ramona this situation reminded me for a long time what happened with Kobe Bryant with the Lakers mm -hmm. a long time ago right go back 15 years Kobe wanted out there were all these talks with the Bulls it was all public because he had no trade clause they were debating offers back and forth for months right it was a huge thing and ultimately Kobe stayed on the Lakers they got to the finals that season they won the next two championships. Like, I'm not guaranteeing that Kevin Durant's going to be there the rest of his contract or that the Nets are going to win championships, but it would not be the first time that we've seen a situation go like this and then turn around again. That, Honey, that, that is possible. Because, you know, I was sitting at home. It's June 30th. I'm about three weeks after the baby's born. And, like, usually you're pretty checked out, right? You're like, okay, I, I've got a lot, of, lot to handle. But this stuff happens, and I'm, I'm in it. And I just couldn't help but go on Twitter. I was like, there's no... Th Kevin Durant can want out, but they, they don't. This was June 30th. I couldn't help it. 
as seismic as this Katie news is, I'm old enough to remember Kobe going on LA radio, literally five different shows on LA radio, and requesting a trade saying he'd rather play on Pluto than the, La the, uh, the Lakers were looking for trades and not doing it, then Kobe winning an MVP and LA going to the finals the next year. The, the, essentially, he had the same very public conversation, although this is not public. Kevin Durant didn't go on any yeah, radio shows. way shows. more public. Yeah, Kobe was way more public. And name on the quotes. This isn't Jimmy Butler in practice in Minnesota or Kobe on the radio in, Minnesota, or in L.A. Yep. This is a superstar wanting out, communicating that behind the scenes in private meetings with the owners, all of which eventually leaked out. Now, when nothing has happened, th this situation has been forced further. But if you're another team, Bobby, and this is the part I think it, that goes around, the, that, that speaks to the rest of the league, what gives you the confidence to make a great offer for Kevin Durant right now, knowing that he's already requested a trade for a team that he just signed a four-year $198 million extension? In, in theory, all 29 teams should be lined up right now. But in, in theory. In theory, right? We're going in, back to on paper again, Bob. Yeah, in theory. But in reality, there's only four or five that can go out and make this deal. And I, I, I've said this, you know, when I was in, in New Jersey, we went out and got Darren Williams from, mm -hmm. from Utah. But that was a little bit different here because we knew that Williams was still in the prime of his career. The Durant situation is interesting. We've said all along he's got four years left yep. on his contract. When those four years are done, that's it, right? He'll be 38, 39, you know, 38 years old. There's mm -hmm. not another contract coming. It's not like going out and getting Scotty Barnes in a deal or going out and getting um, Jalen Brown in a deal who's still in the prime of their career. So we basically have eliminated basically 24 teams. I mean, the, the best team out there would be the Knicks. We haven't talked about the Knicks at all There's in this situation here. And, and I've worked in Brooklyn, and I would not trade Kevin Durant to the, to the Knicks. I mean, you might as well move back to East Rutherford if that's <laughs> going to be the case. But the Knicks would be the ideal situation because they've got eight draft picks. They've got all these young players. They've got young players, R.J. Barrett here. So you eliminate them because we're not going to trade with the Knicks. We're not going to – Orlando – they're not going to go out and get them. Sacramento or Oklahoma City, Houston. So the, the field certainly shrinks there. Well, a name you always have to tie to Kevin Durant is, of course, Kyrie Irving. Take a look at what Kyrie's agent, Chatelia O'Reilly, said to the New York Post. I am not sure where this narrative is coming from, but Kyrie does not hate Steve Roshan. That's not a part of his being nor how he represents himself in the world. It's about peace, love, and acceptance. Despite that message, his agent declined to comment on whether Irving agrees with Kevin Durant, who reportedly wants Marks and Nash fired. Tim, so not exactly the biggest sign of support from Kyrie. How do you think the rest of the NBA is viewing what is happening out in, in, in Brooklyn in terms of this, the future of the team? Well, look, I think the rest of the league is viewing this in the same noise that I made, the side that I made, <laughs> that this is just going on and on and on for forever and ever and ever. I mean, look, it's like Bobby said, the rest of the league looks at this situation, sees how much of a mess it is, and says, we don't need to offer the Nets the sun, the moves, and the stars for Kevin Durant because they're going to have to do something because this is too ugly. Like, there's no reason for us to up our offer right now, which but is why I think the Nets are going to have to try to ride this out because not only would I think it be in their best interest to just get Kevin Durant on board, because they're not going to get anything as good as him anyway. But also, they, aren't, they don't really have another option right now besides trading him for just far, far less. Well, theoretically, there's a collective bargaining agreement which, which says that you have a contract, and if you don't show up to play under your contract, that the team can fine you, that the team cannot play you. But what, this is now the third year in a row or the third big story in a row of a superstar requesting a trade and the team having to confront these kind of issues. What, what can be done here? Yeah, I mean, we thought last year the Ben Simmons situation was kind of a one-off as far as a player not reporting. Now we'll wait and see if it's going to be the same with Kevin Durant. I mean, 
it's, there's rules in place as far as you can be fined, you know, up to when you start missing games, okay? $500,000 for Kevin Durant, which is certainly a large number. You're limited as far as when it comes to practice, right? It's up, we saw it last year with Ben Simmons, $50,000 here. So not only are teams kind of gauging as far as what the market is going, teams are sitting back and saying, you know what? We need a little more teeth to these rules here. We've got the CBA that both sides can opt out on December 15th. We're going to put some more stringent rules here. But here's my question. If you're a player that's earned $300 million or $350 mm -hmm. million like Kevin Durant, what does money mean to you? If you're trying to set a principle as far as a guy holding out, a little bit different if a guy's on a rookie contract. I also do not think this is going to go the way of Ben Simmons. Maybe I'll be wrong, but I, I feel pretty confident yeah. that Kevin Durant's going to show up and play. I do think the Ben Simmons situation was mostly a one-off, and I don't think we're going to see some epidemic of guys not showing up and just sacrificing tens of millions of dollars. I think, you know, that was obviously a pretty wild situation, but I, I don't think that's going to be a huge issue. And I think, frankly, I assume you agree, these CBA, CBA negotiations to me are going to move along pretty smoothly because everybody looks at the situation right now, sees the league is making a ton of money, sees that the tide is raising all boats, and everybody, from everybody I've talked to, is pretty happy about what's going on. The league's in probably the best shape it's been in a long time when you look at post-COVID with BRI at close to $9 billion. We've got a new TV deal that's going to be coming up soon. And both here. sides and work together all the yeah, way through Yeah, I mean, I think everything. we'll see some tweaks. We'll, we can probably talk about the Clippers and the, and the Warriors tax bill for another segment here. Yeah. I think that will be something that will get addressed here. But I think from the league's perspective, like, yes, you are going to try to put some new, new rules in here, but they're, we're in, they're in a healthy situation right now. Yeah, in that video we showed, there was James Harden part one, James Harden part two, Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, all of which played on the Nets. I, I don't know. It's a common theme. Yeah, still to come on NBA Today, we have some bets to make. Daily Wager's Tyler Fulgham joins the show with some predictions on Caesars' win-loss totals for next season. Plus, how many wins is KD worth? And is it worth taking a flyer on potential teams where Durant may land? Also, with all of us in studio, it's only right to do a little reporter's roundtable. We look at both the top, uh, the top of both conferences and who the legit title contenders are. More NBA Today after the break. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. You're watching NBA Today, live from Los Angeles.
This morning, Caesar Sportsbook released their over-unders for the upcoming NBA season, which means it's time to welcome in ESPN betting analyst Tyler Fulgham. Tyler, thanks so much for joining us. Let's yeah, happy to be here, guys. Thanks, thanks. Hey, let's get straight to it. Starting in the East with the Boston Celtics, the consensus betting favorite to win the 2022-23 NBA title. They have the highest projected win total next season at 54.5 at Caesar Sportsbook. The Bucks, Heat, and 76ers totals are also above a 50-win clip. The Indiana Pacers all the way down at the bottom at 24 and a half games. On the west side of things, the Suns have the highest total at 53 and a half, and are followed by the defending champion Golden State Warriors at 52 and a half. The next teams are the Clippers, Grizzlies, Nuggets, Mavs, and Wolves. The Pelicans and Lakers both come in at 44 and a half wins. The Rockets and Spurs at the bottom of the conference with 24 and a half wins. Tyler, what's your initial impression after seeing these totals? Yeah, I'm focused on the Western Conference, guys, and it looks like the market is expecting there to be a lot of haves and have-nots, like mm. five or six, seven teams around 50 for a win total, and then five of the seven lowest in the entire NBA are in the Western Conference. Mm. See Houston, San Antonio, OKC down there, well below 30. So I'm not sure that's efficient. I think the West is going to be a little more jumbled this year, and especially on that lower side, I think there's some potential value for betters we'll talk about in a second with a couple of teams that may be better than Vegas expects. Well, on one team, I think that's going to be worse than Vegas expects, the Utah Jazz. Sitting down there at 32 and a half wins. I think they have a chance to be the worst team in the NBA this season. We see Donovan Mitchell in the Utah Jazz jersey here. Seems very unlikely to me, Ramona, that he's going to be a member of the Utah Jazz for that much longer. And this team right now doesn't have a starting small forward. They don't have a starting center. They have a lot of guys that, in theory, are going to be on the trade block. Guys like Boyan Bogdanovich, Mike Conley, Patrick Beverly, Miguel Beasley. I feel like all those guys potentially go somewhere, right? So, to me, I'm looking at that number, 32 and a half. I'd be hammering the under on that. I like how you phrase that. They have a chance to be one of the worst. <laughs> Tyler, what team jumps out to you? Yeah, I agree with uh, Tim there about Utah. They should switch, I think, their uh, total with the team I want to talk about. That's the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think the Thunder are a 30-35 to 35 win team this year. They won 24 last year, but that guy Shea Gilders-Alexander missed 26 games. Lou Dort, one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA, missed 31. They add Chet Holmgren. Josh Giddey's ready to make a year-two leap. Pokashevsky's a nice seven-foot talent as well. They're starting five. I think if they're able to play 65-70 to 70 games, this is a 30-win Thunder team, not a 25-win Thunder team. Tyler, what team do you think gets the most action from the public? Could it maybe be this team that's close to Vegas where their fans like to go there on the weekends? Yeah, I think you're talking about the Lake Show, and it makes sense, right, guys? The Lakers are a public team. They have very notable stars, some stars that you kind of like to root against. Some people like seeing that guy suffer. And they won, what, 33 games last year and weren't even that great when Westbrook, AD, and LeBron were able to play together. So 44 and a half wins is a massive jump from what we saw last year. I think they're going to get a lot of total handle, and most of that will be on the under because recency bias with the public is strong. They'll be thinking, how is this team going to win 45 games when we saw them just win 33 a season ago? I mean, I'll be curious to see what the money comes in on. I would guess it's going to come in on the over because Laker fans are always optimistic if my mentions say anything to me, but I'm with you, Tyler. In terms of looking at their overall picture, if the Lakers have LeBron and AD healthy for 70-plus games, yeah, I think they can get somewhere between 45 and 48 wins in a best-case scenario. But as you mentioned, the top of the Western Conference is absolutely stacked. We could see six or seven teams win 50 games. I just think it's going to be hard for the Lakers unless those guys are playing 70, 75 games. And frankly, at this point, I think we have to price in both LeBron and AD missing 
15 to 20 games just with their injury history at this point. So to me, I'd be looking at the under because you look at the rest of that roster, there's just not enough depth around there. We've talked many times about the amount of minimum salary players on the team. It's just going to be a ton of heavy lifting for LeBron and AD unless they can pull off a miracle rust trade here. But they up. still have LeBron and AD. Like your they fans, do. ever the optimist. Hey, we can't let you go without asking the biggest story in the NBA. Kevin Durant has requested a trade mm. from the Brooklyn Nets. If he were to land on a new team, how many wins do you think Durant would be worth in Vegas' eyes? I see Durant, depending on the team he goes to, worth, you know, four to six, maybe seven wins. Like, if he is, let's look, look at just the Brooklyn Nets right here. Vegas has set it at 45. If they were certain Durant was going to play, I think it'd be closer to 50. If they were certain Durant was gone, I think it'd be closer to 38, 39, 40. And Kyrie is factored into that as well. So I think he's a 5, 6, 7 win player. And we know the teams that have been linked to him. Timmy can speak to that a little bit better than I can. But I think what Vegas has done here is said, we don't know what's happening with him. So we'll go right in between the middle of 50 and 40 and make it 45 because we don't know where he's going to be. And I think he's going to be on the net, so I would take the over because if they have Ben Simmons, Kyrie, Irving and Kevin Durant, they can actually get on the court. As I was saying yesterday, this team could actually be really good. Tim, what bets do you like in the West? Well, well, of, of this list right here, Ramona, I like two teams in particular. I love Minnesota at 48 and a half. I think they got a chance to be a top four team in the West. I think they could be like Utah's been yep. the last few years, a 50-win team that's a top 10 offense and defense. And I like the Boston Celtics over. I think the Celtics are going to win 60 games. I think they're going to have the best record in the regular season this year. They are a team that is built to me to win a ton of regular season games. You go back to last year, they were under 500 in late January. They finished with 51 wins. To me, they're well on pace to be a 60-win caliber team. I know they have the highest number, but to me, there's a lot of value above them to Tim, get up 55 so more. bold picking the team that went to the finals last year. So <laughs> bold. Thanks, Tyler. Coming up on NBA Today, we react to our experts' pick for the top five teams in both conferences. Which teams take a step into contention? Plus, our panel on the teams that will challenge the Warriors' repeat chances and how winning the West may be harder than ever before. Also, fresh off having her new baby daughter, Minnesota Lynx star Nafisa Collier joins the show. Don't miss it. NBA Today will be right back. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Bottom, 
overcome my injuries, and to get back here and get it done means the world. Welcome back to NBA Today, and we got Jamal Collier here. Everyone in studio, look at all you guys. Bobby Marks, Tim Bontemps, Jamal Collier. I'm Ramona Shelburne, and we just broke down the regular season projections from Vegas at Caesar Sportsbook. Now it's time to look at the playoffs as ESPN Summer Forecast continues. This just dropped this morning on ESPN.com. Our panel of ESPN insiders voted. I hope you guys, did you all vote? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did. Uh, I was off. <laughs> Including the folks at this table, starting in the East, our panel has... The Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks with the most votes to win the conference. Then a wide gap before Philly and Miami. So it's time for a little reporter's roundtable. No surprise in the top two. But Jamal, did the Bucks see themselves as the favorites? Just look at the way they operated this offseason. Run it back. They re-signed everybody, bringing back Bobby Portis, repaying Pat Connington. Uh, they felt like last year, if Chris Middleton doesn't slip in that Bulls series, they were going to repeat, and I think that that you know, close to Boston, who adds Malcolm Brogdon and as Gallinari, and I think that they're going to have just a different dimension to their team. But uh, Milwaukee looked at it, and they say they got the best player, and everything fits so well around Giannis that they want to give it another shot at it. Uh, and I'm curious to see how they do here now, eight months from now, to well, see if that's. I'm curious how they treat there. the regular season. Yeah. Because last year they came off the title and treated the regular season as more of a warm up, like eh, get into shape by the time the playoffs come around. But they didn't push as hard as they had in previous times. They had a lot of injuries last year, too. Remember, Middleton goes out. Yep. Uh, Drew Holiday was out for time. Brooke Lopez misses the almost the entire season. And I think that that's still the, how they want to manage this. They got a lot of older players, counting on Wes Matthews, going to be 36 before the start of the season. You know, Brooke, like I said, is 35 and coming off of back surgery. So they're going to try to get these guys to the end of the season. That's the most important for them. Because, again, if they got everybody on the court, they feel good about their team. Well, look, they, to Jamal's point, they had a ton of injuries last year. But they went into that series thinking they had the chance to win the championship they almost won it without Chris Middleton and when you look at what they did this summer you mentioned they mostly stand pat the one thing they did do was add shooting they get Joe Ingles a guy that they think can come out there and hit shots for them in that game seven in Boston when they missed yeah. a million threes and lost that game um, but look they have the best player in the universe I think if I'm a Bucks fan I'm feeling pretty good about their chances even though I do think a potential series with the with the Celtics with a retooled bench as you mentioned with Malcolm Brogdon and Gallinari That'd be a hell of a series. Well, and I think especially with the two players that you just mentioned, Chris Middleton and Joe Ingles, we're not going to see them likely when we get going here in, in mid-October here because they're both coming off injuries here. So this is going to be a team that's built for mid-April, probably less during the regular season. I think that it will be interesting how much of a workload that Giannis is going to have to carry because this roster is older when you look at Wes Matthews, Serge Ibaka, Brooke Lopez, um, some of the players that they brought back. So... There's a pretty wide gap between the first two, Boston and Milwaukee. Then you have Philly and Miami, but Philly's ahead of Miami? I, look, I was still here. I was still working during that series. Pretty sure the Heat won it. Like, what? what's happened here? Why is Philly ahead? Well, I mean, if you go back to that series, <laughs> Joel Embiid's face was broken. His thumb was broken. James Harden was not himself, and P.J. Tucker was on the heat. So you put all that together, I think the Philly, Philadelphia 76ers had a really good offseason. You know, we'll see if P.J. Tucker can still have the same juice he had the past couple years in Milwaukee and Miami. The Bucs didn't think he could repeat what he did, so he goes to Miami, he repeats it again. But he is everything the Sixers have lacked from a defense and toughness and rebounding standpoint. So I think he'll help them a lot. And getting DeAnthony Melton also and Daniel House, two athletic wing players, this team really struggled with athleticism last year. And I think they're a lot better. I still think they're well behind Milwaukee and Boston. 
but I think they're going to be very good. I ended up a little higher on Philly than I thought I would, too. And remember, they rebuilt that team on the fly, and there was so much dysfunction. And I think that Embiid, after missing out on MVP again, excited to see what he's going to do again and come back with a vengeance. So give him and, and uh, Harden a chance to play together and get a little more chemistry together. I like I like their chances this year. I think, I think he said he's going to go for Defensive Player of the Year award because he can't seem to okay. win MVP. So he's just going to put his focus we'll on see. Different. Joel told me he's done going for MVP. Yeah. But I suspect I'll, when I'll, the season starts, he'll still want to own MVP. I'm going to make a bold prediction. Ooh. I know. I'm Bobby getting bold? Takes, uh -oh. I know. This going to um, be about Steph Curry again? No, it's not. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that one's we're not going to talk about ever, ever again. Um, when this, I I think we're going to be talking about James Harden in the top three when we talk about MVP conversations this year. I think this well, is hold on, <laughs> hold on. Let's stop. I'm not saying he's winning it. No, no, no. But if James Harden's in the top three of MVP, where do you have Philly finishing the East? Because to me, if he's that good, yeah. then you got to put them. They're right going with to the North. conference finals. So they're going to be right there. I have with them in Boston. Boston. I have them in Boston in the conference finals. There you go. I think this is a redemption year. I think the contract year for Harden yeah. because of that player option, giving back all that money here. I think you're going to run into a situation where when you add PJ Tucker and Daniel House. I mean, all of it's going to be dependent on Joel Embiid's health, of course, here. Um, but I think we're going to see the Houston version of James Harden in Philadelphia this year. Well, there's wow. no bigger question to me in the NBA this season than what version of James Harden's going to show up. Is it the guy that was in Brooklyn those first two months when he was maybe the best player in the league before he hurt his hamstring? Yeah. Or is it the guy that's been the player that's been since he hurt his hamstring, which is still a very good player, but a guy that's more of a top 18 to 25 player than a guy who's a top three to five player. If he's a top three to five player, everything changes for Philly. So the guy that James Harden was hanging out with at the Travis Scott concert in London, Kevin Durant, is, is, is still on the Brooklyn Nets, who got zero votes in our NBA Insiders panel to win the Eastern Conference. Bobby, if Durant's still on the team, where do they fit? Well, if, they're, if, if he's back and there's a team intervention on, on day one, uh, they're in the top four here. I'm not ready to put them where Boston and even probably Philadelphia and Milwaukee here is, but I think, I think they're a solid number four. Um, but there's so much uncertainty here that us as voters, it's hard to put, us, put them up there in that, in that top three to top four. Yeah, I mean, high-end outcome, they could make the finals. But so many things have to go right from a health standpoint, from frankly just having guys still on the team standpoint. I mean, we have, we barely talked about Ben Simmons. Like, is Ben Simmons going to play? Oh, my like, gosh. I thought we could get through a whole show uh, without talking about Ben Simmons. You know, like, there's so many questions with the, with the Nets that it, it would make it impossible for me to put them above those teams. But their ceiling, they're ceiling, it's sort of like with James Harden. If Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons are on the court, the Nets are going to be heard from. I just have no confidence in any of that happening or any. I can't imagine why. Why would you? Why would you? Why would you have confidence in dysfunction? Yeah, so I can't buy the Nets as a serious contender. At least it's currently constructed. Maybe there is some huge kumbaya meeting that I don't see coming through. <laughs> but I, who's leading that? Is, is Steve Nash or is Kyrie taking the stand? For I, I, like, how's that happening? Kyrie is all already, about peace, love, and accountability. Or enough acceptance. So just peace accept everybody back and just you know, it's all going to be good. Yeah. I'm not, not sick of them yet, but for this show, we should at least talk <laughs> about the team that actually won the title last year. The Golden State Warriors. Let's get to the Western Conference players. ESPN insiders have the Warriors repeating as conference champs with 50% of the first place votes, followed by the Clippers, Suns, Mavs, and Nuggets. Tim, you see the Warriors come out of the West again? No, I, I think the Clippers are clearly the best team in the West with everybody available and on the court. They, they spent all last season stockpiling players, stockpiling assets to be ready to go when Kawhi Leonard, who's on the screen now, and Paul George were healthy and ready to go at the start of the season. They had Norm Powell, they had Robert Covington, they bring back Nicholas Batum. This team can play any way you want to play. They have a championship-winning coach in Ty Lue, who, you know, Bobby talked yesterday about having buy-in for this group. 
Ty Lue was with that with those Cavs team, which certainly had all sorts of big personalities to deal with and getting guys to buy into different roles. I think the Clippers have everything required to be a championship. So this is the clip that probably people will save again like it was in 2019 of them. Okay. There's been other times. The I, I, I hope Draymond's not watching this because I'm, I'm all on the Clipper bandwagon also. I think they're going to win 60 games this year. I think they've got two of the best players in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Their depth is unmatched. I think it's, as he said, it's all about buy-in here. And there's, you know, of course, the health component with this, with this roster here. But we're in the offseason, so everything looks good on paper. <laughs> and I like this team on paper right now. The one right. guy we haven't mentioned, John Wall. Yeah. I love that addition right. for them and exactly what he can bring uh, just to add a different dynamic. Uh, we've been waiting for the Clippers, it feels like, for a couple of years to finally arrive. And I said I wasn't going to get caught up in the hype again, but I'm with y'all. With all these Waiting small guys on the court, years. John Wall pushing the pace, hitting guys for threes. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Fit. It's a really perfect fit. Yeah, I agree. Okay, there was actually a team that did win 60 games last year. They got zero votes to win the Western Conference. Did you watch game seven of the conference semifinals? <laughs> Did you see that? That's why I didn't. Phoenix Suns, no, he's Price? No, I'm not. I mean, I mean, obviously the Suns have a very good team. They have everybody back. The DeAndre Ayton situation, at least for now, has been resolved with him still on the roster. But we saw Chris Paul fade as that series went along. And as Brian Winters pointed out yesterday on the show, they won 64 games because they had the greatest clutch season of all time and were really more of a 55-win team. So with Chris Paul a year older, with Jay Crowder a year older, with a bit of a questionable depth to me across that roster. They had everybody basically healthy all last year. I, the Suns are going to be really good, but I don't like them to get out of the West. Yeah, my concern is really probably less with Phoenix, but the whole entire Western Conference. When I look at certainly teams like Denver uh, with Jamal uh, Murray and Michael Porter Jr., certainly the Clippers here. Um, Phoenix, one of the best team or the best team as far as in clutch situations. Mm -hmm. Can I have year two of that here? And then a little bit of kind of a makeshift bench as far as kind of, you know, former veterans when you look at Josh Koji and they bring back Bismarck Biombo, Damian Lee here. And um, I'm waiting for the question is DeAndre Ayton. Right, rental, or is he going to be here for the whole season? That's going to be the big, big um, question mark for me. Well, if we're going to talk about dark coaches, you can't forget about that young team that was giving the Warriors the business before they went out. Jamal, who do you like in the Western Conference? They're not on the board up here, and that's what I'm looking at is Memphis. And I think that because the conference is better, you can see a scenario where the, the Grizzlies don't win as many games as they did last season. Especially with Jaron Jackson Jr. out to start the year. Yeah, and you know, they had a lot of things break right for them when John Morant and Dylan Brooks missed all that time and they still played well. So I think we may see the Grizzlies drop from that second in the West, but now they've got some playoff experience. They've been through the ringer a little bit, and I still expect those guys to keep getting better as they play together. Let me see the Grizzlies in the playoffs. I think they have a chance to make some noise. I'm glad you said it because if not, we we're going to end up on John Morant's foot. <laughs> All right, stick around. We'll reveal our NBA Finals predictions coming up later in the show. But next, Mom Talk. Nafisa Collier joins the show. She'll break down what it means to be back on the court less than three months after giving birth and how the Lynx can sneak into the playoffs. NBA Today rolls on. Fee. You're watching NBA Today. Now it's time for today's WNBA Corner presented by Google. There are only five days left in the WNBA regular season and just a game and a half separates five teams for the final two playoff spot. Here's today's search trend provided by Google. Searches for Nafisa Collier, baby, spiked 340% in the U.S. from August 2nd through August 8th. Through August 8th. And here's why. 
The 2019 WNBA Rookie of the Year made her 2022 season debut on Sunday in the Minnesota Lynx win over the Atlanta Dream, less than three months after giving birth to her daughter Mila in late May. The Lynx and Collier currently sit a half game out of the eight seed and close out the regular season with matchups versus the Phoenix Mercury, Seattle Storm, and Connecticut Sun. Tough matchups at the end there. Who joins us now? Nafisa Collier. First off, congratulations on becoming a mom. Hi. Hey. Thank you. You too. <laughs> My first show back, your first game back. We're mm-hmm. just doing it. I'm excited. We're doing it. I'm excited to ask you about motherhood and sweet Mila. But first, your mm-hmm. links have been holding down the fort and are in a tight race yes. for that last playoff spot. What's been the toughest part of being away from the team while you're out on maternity leave? I think just watching them, you know, I miss it so much. And I'm just like at home cheering for them. They can't hear me. I'm not like on the court or even yeah. on the bench with them. So it's just hard when, you know, I love being part of the team so much and I have to watch one TV. Did you always have Sunday circled as the day you're coming back? Or did you see how the season was playing out and say, OK, I got to get back now? <laughs> no, I wanted to get back as soon as I could because it's Sylvia's last year. And I really yep. I wanted to play with her for one last season. And during my rehab and stuff, they're like, okay, just prepare for Atlanta, prepare for Atlanta. And then we got close and they're like, I don't know if it's going to happen. And then I got like a late call right after shoot around. She's like, you want to play? I was like, yeah, I'll play. So it was kind of a touch and go kind of thing, but I was so happy that I was able to get back out there. How important is it for you to get Sylvia into the playoffs in her last year? It's so important. Still's done so much for this league, for me, for this team. Um, and so we need to get her there for her last season. There's just no other option for us. All right. So when you when you came back, I know you said you got that late call. What was that process like coming back? I mean, I you know, I know for me, this is my first show back and I got the hair and makeup on. I put on pants for the first time in a couple of months, <laughs> yeah. right? Like it's different yeah. when you get back into mm-hmm. it and you have to speak in complete sentences instead of baby talk, right? But like it's yeah. different for you to be a professional <laughs> athlete getting back. What was that rehab process like? Yeah, it's it's no joke. It's hard. You know, as you know, your body goes through a lot. Yeah. It changes completely. Your bones move, all your ligaments are looser, like every part of your body is different. And so I had to get used to this new body and I had to, um, you know, shed the baby weight and get my muscles stronger again and try to set my bones back together. So it was, you know, it's been a journey for sure, but um, I'm proud of myself. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I was last year yet, but I'm making progress and I'm just trying to read my body and um, take it one day at a time. You know, there's a lot of moms in the WNBA and in professional sports. I know some of the advice I got from other moms who made this comeback, right? Candace Parker gave me some advice. Mm-hmm. Allison Felix. Like, who's given you the best advice in terms of coming back and, and balancing motherhood and your career? Candace is a big one. Um, she and I are friends, and I asked her a bunch mm-hmm. of questions about how she came back because she had uh, Layla right after her yep. season so just asking like what her recovery was like I had so many questions I had no idea what to expect <laughs> um, and so she was a really great resource for that and she still is I still text her and her wife on if I have any questions about anything they're only a couple months ahead of both of us yep. their baby is so they've gone through things like right before the phase that we're in so it's really good to kind of have that I know I watched that Serena documentary like four times when I had my first child a couple of years ago. Um, And uh, and one thing Serena said in that in the documentary she did about coming back was like when you first come back, you kind of measure yourself compared to how you were. And Mm -hmm. there's a sort of judgment that happens like, oh, I'm not what I was. I'm not what. And and not to get down on yourself, but to give yourself credit for how you are the first time back, because it's going to come like it's just going to take a little bit of time. You just kind of have to can't expect it to come right away. Yeah, I know. I can't believe it. Why aren't we just able to bounce back? 
but yeah, you definitely, I agree. You can't compare yourself because it is so hard. Like I said, your body goes through so much, but I'm proud of where I am now. There's a lot of good things though. Cause I know, I know as for sound parent, it, it really clarifies things. It makes the things that are important, really important. It makes the things that are not important, not important. How is, how's, yes. how's you be able to change your perspective on your life and your career? It's changed. She's changed my life so much. I mean, like you said before basketball was like, top priority in my life and now obviously she is and it really just does put things into perspective that now i'm not just doing this for me i'm doing it for her too for um, my legacy with her and i'm so excited for her to grow up and watch me play fee i'm so excited for you welcome back i'm excited for the rest of the season thanks for joining us thank you congrats see you too thanks all right we got a huge game was a late add to the espn2 schedule friday the storm at the links is the final home regular season game for sylvia fowles and second to last game for Sue Bird. Our coverage begins at 9 Eastern. Then on Sunday, the final day of the regular season, we have an ABC doubleheader. The Lynx and Connecticut Sun at 1 Eastern. Then it's Storm, Las Vegas Aces. You can bet there will be some playoff positioning at stake in these last few games. Still to come on NBA Today, it's never too early to make finals predictions and we have the tape. We'll save it. We'll do that, as, <laughs> we'll do that later after the break. You're watching NBA Today, live from Los Angeles. The NBA Finals are 10 months away. Who's counting? <laughs> We're about to crown a champion right now. On ESPN.com, we release the insiders' picks to win the 2023 NBA Championship. Everyone at this desk was a part of the vote. Not me, so don't get mad at me. Okay, I'm so. Here are the results. Golden State took over one-third of the first-place votes to repeat as NBA champions. It's a nice sign of respect. Then it's Clippers, Celtics, Milwaukee Bucks and Miami Heat rounded out the top five. Tim, did the panel get it right? I don't think so because I don't think the Clippers are the Warriors are making the finals, let Ooh. alone winning because we Ooh. talked about earlier in the show. I think the Clippers are the best team in the West. I, I've been thinking about it in terms of who I think is going to be in the finals in the East because I think Boston-Milwaukee to me is really a toss-up just depending on how it goes. I think Boston is a little bit deeper, but the Milwaukee Bucks have the best player in the universe in Yastanikupo, and generally you want to side with that guy. But I think ultimately I'm going to pick the Clippers because I just think they're the deepest team in the league and they can play in every possible style. So I'll go with them. But no, I don't think Golden State's getting back to the finals game. I have the Clippers, Boston, and the NBA Finals. And Ooh. the Clippers winning it all. Whoa! Which is not going to happen now because I just put the kiss of death on all. I'm sorry for my friends at the Clippers. I've been a part of one of these segments on this show before <laughs> that got replayed throughout the year. So just yeah, okay. I'm not lean gonna in. Be, I guess if you're be, going uh, for it, lean Clippers, in. I'm not going to be Clippers, fans. And, this is the best Clippers yeah. team that they've ever had. I, I agree with that. But. Yeah, I mean, that, and I think certainly we we're maybe we're not talking much about what Ty Lue did last yeah. year with that roster that didn't have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard for most of that season here. And their depth, they've got the best depth in the, in the league when you've got Norm Powell coming off the bench, Luke Kennard coming off the bench. I think certainly size is maybe a little bit of concern. But my question would be, if this Western Conference is so deep, that these teams, when you get to the playoffs, it's just going to be like a, you know, like a steel cage match. And what's going to be left standing for one of these Eastern Conference teams? And you probably ha could make an argument for Boston or maybe even, you know, certainly maybe Philadelphia or Miami or Milwaukee, one of these other teams that could potentially win it all. 
And you talk about just the fight that the West may be. One thing I think about the Warriors, and they certainly have a chance to repeat. Don't want to discount them, even if I am picking the Clippers. The bracket broke really well for the yeah, Warriors. Sure did. You had the Nuggets, who obviously were injured and not at full strength in the first round. They catch a young Memphis team who had never been there. Uh, and then Phoenix kind of just implodes on themselves in the other half of it. And you get Dallas in the conference finals. So it's not to diminish what the Warriors did. You play who's in front of you. And they were obviously a very, very good team deserving of a champion. But I just am a little, you know, skeptical of their ability to repeat again just because well, of the hardest series they played was against Memphis. Yeah. That was the biggest challenge. Well, Once they the got through the Grizzlies, too. that was ours. I would say the Celtics are yeah. a challenge too. And if you if you look at their run too, the other thing we're kind of discounting from their standpoint, and it's why I don't think they're going to get back, is the injury component, right? Like we spent a lot of last year wondering yeah. Draymond Green was going to get back on the court at all with that back and nerve issue he had. Klay Thompson is obviously an older player. Steph Curry is obviously an older player. Like, they're, they're relying on some guys who have a ton of miles on the tires to, again, be awesome and get all the way through the playoffs healthy. That's a tall order. And, and can they put the financial component in, the, in the, their back pocket for the year? What happens if Draymond doesn't get an extension? Jordan Poole. Andrew Wiggins can they kind of just put everything aside when we get to the regular season or does that kind of creep in and, and start to see this roster kind of splinter a little bit okay I just want the producers to note today is August 10th and it's a little it's about 1250 here in the west coast 350 eastern and we know you're repping the Lakers this is the okay. part no 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 <laughs> this is the part this is the part of the clip there. of the show that you'll be playing back when you guys are either proven right <laughs> or not we'll, we'll see. see we'll see all right coming up next is Steph Curry having well, he's with Snoop Dogg, and they're doing funny things, and the video went viral. It's great. Plus, Kyle Kuzman and Scotty Barnes uh, were do had a heated battle in a program yesterday. NBA Today, back in 60 seconds. Welcome back to NBA Today. I'm Ramona Shelburne here with Jamal, Tim, and Bobby. And summer may be winding down, but that doesn't mean summer runs have to. First, we check in on Steph Curry hanging out with Snoop Dogg at a basketball camp. Is that a Liberty Bell? What is that? <laughs> it's, it's a chain, Tim. I don't think you own many of those. I don't own a chain. Um, I'm just trying to see what's on It's a basketball camp in Long Beach. They were doing drills with the kids. Who, who's having a better summer than Steph Curry? Man hosting the ESPYs. He came I mean, off the finals MVP. I would say life's pretty good for Steph. <laughs> He's doing well. I mean, I, it gives him uh, a death row chain. Oh, it's a death row chain. All right. I was trying to figure out what it was. There you go. You need one. I think. No. I, I would be an instant look for me. <laughs> <laughs> Tim could not ride that. I don't think right. I could. Sports run, Scotty I'm going to save you here. I know um, my lane. Scotty Barnes was going back and forth with Washington Wizards forward to Kyle Kuzma. Check out the back and forth of the two at the Utah Powder League Pro-Am showcase yesterday. Kuzma finished with 67 points. Okay, who's keeping score? 67 points. Well, I don't think Kyle Kuzma will be allowed in, in Canada anymore. Those Raptor fans love <laughs> Scotty Barnes and what he was able to do there. I think that's a couple. Yeah, that's not going to Barnes. sit well there. I, uh, I'm I'm very excited to see what Scotty Barnes does next year, though. He was awesome last year. He was a huge surprise to me. I thought yep. the Raptors at the time were going to take Jalen Suggs. They stunned everybody to take Scotty Barnes, and he was awesome. I want to know what kind of postgame fit Kuzma got off after putting 67 up. It's we have seen his postgame fits. But what's it's the 70 point fit? All right, yeah. well, before we go, we got a few seconds left in the show. Ramona said at the beginning, it's our first show yep. back. We got a little surprise here oh. coming up for Ramona. Hopefully, we can pull it up here on the screen. See if we got it. We don't have it. We don't okay. have it. Well, there was, was going to be a picture of oh, you and the baby on the screen, and we don't have it, but we're That's very happy to have you back. That's all I post on my Instagram now. People have seen a lot of cute babies. Congratulations <laughs> to you. Thank you. Thanks for being here.